Let us open our Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 for an opening passage of Scripture that is our beloved brother Paul's prophecy, his prophetic warning to Timothy about a change in Christianity that would take place in the time to come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Amen and amen. This wasn't true in Paul's time to the degree that it was going to be true later because he said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. It was going to be a future change. And this is not a change in the world. The world's always been unholy, fierce, despisers of those that are good, all the way back to Cain killing Abel was the fulfillment of that little expression. This is a change in Christianity and in churches and in Christians. They would become lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. It was going to be a change in churches, a change in Christians. And you, as an individual, and you fathers with your families, and this church is either a part of it or an opponent of it. You're either fulfilling it or you're fighting it. And so it's a choice that we have to make to turn away from such. We don't want anything to do with that brand of Christianity. We don't want that form of religion. We don't want the changes that they've brought in. We want to hold to the old paths. We want to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. And you've got to ask yourself, am I part of it by taking a lackadaisical, slothful, approach to the things of Jesus Christ, or am I a zealot opponent of it, and I'm fighting against it? I'm earnestly contending for the truth that was once given by the apostles against this new form of Christianity. So we need to ask ourselves those things. In John 6, we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ dealing with some of the spirit or character of compromise that now infects most all churches pulpits, families, and souls. And he's going to be unmerciful with them. He's going to be harsh and he's going to be severe with those seekers in John 6. And we want to see right here what I believe is the most important prophecy for us today is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, 4. 21 verses of power-packed punch against a compromise in Christianity. And it's all around us. 
People write me with all kinds of questions about different places in Revelation or Zechariah or Daniel, and I tell them, the most Im- later in my response to them, I like to tell them that the most important prophecy is right here. This is the most important prophecy that's affecting you daily. Why are you fussing about things that you don't understand and that don't affect you and don't have anything to do with your life? This has everything to do with your life. Every one of us are pulled, pushed, stressed, pressured to compromise in these ways with all those so-called Christians around us. If you go to Christian school, if on the workplace you meet other Christians and you listen to the news in a Christian area like ours, you see this form of religion growing in popularity rapidly. We want to take a stand against it. And it starts with our individual souls. Then the heads of every home and then this church. Will we hold fast to the things that we've been taught, whether by word or Paul's epistles, it's all recorded in God's word for us, or are we going to compromise? Personally, families, and church. Wonderful verses. From such turn away. There is no place for unity and there's no place for peace when there's compromise involved. We're to take our stand, dig our heels in and not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. I hope that you'll remember this passage. I know it's been preached to you, but we have a tendency to forget things that are not frequently repeated. And so I say again, this is the most important prophecy in the Bible for you Right. right here. These 21 verses, and for our church, that we will take a stand. I love to write people, and I get to do it every week, and tell them, do not despair that you do not have a New Testament apostolic church in your area to attend. Thank God that he has chosen you worthy to defend the truth and to stand for the apostolic faith without a lot of people around you against an onslaught of false Christianity. Thank God for the privilege. You know, we think of David being privileged to chance upon the battlefield when Goliath came out and blasphemed the armies of Israel and the God of Israel. And he said, is there not a cause? And there was a cause then, and there is a cause now. And we should look at it as a privilege that God has chosen us for these times. We don't fight Canaanites. We don't fight Philistines with swords of steel. We fight these Christians and the compromise that they're bringing across the face of the earth with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Let us be faithful to that and let us see that in John 6 was some of that character of compromise and that carnality coming up in those seekers that were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We thank thee, Holy Father, that thou hast sent down thy word, the living word of God, and the written word of God, that we might know him who knows us and calls his own sheep by name and lay down his life for them. We thank thee, blessed God, that you have chosen us for this generation. We are foolish to think or to desire of living in any other. You have made a perfect choice for us, and we are blessed, and we give thee thanks And we ask thee to stir us up by your spirit 
that we would be faithful unto thee, even to death. Though, Lord, likely, it's just going to be the death of our carnal lusts and filthy pleasures of this life. Help us, O Lord, to give our bodies a living sacrifice unto thee, holy, acceptable unto thee, and that we may prove what is that perfect and good and acceptable will of God. We thank thee, Holy Father, that you did inspire our beloved brother Paul to write these words of warning, and we see their fulfillment on every side. We see the spirit of them in John 6. We see the admonition and the commandment to turn away from such. Heavenly Father, we do not like being different. We wish there were a thousand churches holding fast the apostolic faith and order. But, O oh Lord, until you show us them, we're going to remain faithful to what you have shown us. And we will preach the word, and we will not compromise it. We will not dilute it. We will not retranslate it. We will declare its facts, trusting you by inspiration and preservation to have kept them for us. Heavenly Father, unite all of our hearts together today that there might be peace in the house of the Lord. Unite our individual hearts that we be not double-minded or of a double heart, but that we would have a single heart and a single eye for the glory of thy Son, his perfect and pure doctrine, and the discipleship that is according to godliness. Help us to this end. We pray everything that is said here, that has been said already in the back room, not only for ourselves, but for every church of saints, for every pulpit and every man that stands in those pulpits that you have called and who calls upon thy name in sincerity and in truth. Holy Father, we need thy Holy Spirit. Bless us with the power of Pentecost. Fill us with that living energy of God himself that we might know and do the things according to your perfect will that are found in the word of God. Open its pages to us. Let even our children today see that Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee is different than the Jesus spoken of by most others. Amen. Let them see the high standard of following him and the active life-changing faith that is necessary as the evidence of eternal life. Yes. Let them see his evangelistic efforts. Let them see him drive away a large crowd that were not sincere. Heavenly Father, O oh Lord, help us this day to examine ourselves and not to think upon others more than we think upon ourselves, right. but Heavenly Father, to look, to search, to prove whether we be yours or not. Do we have that active, life-changing faith? Are we sacrificing things daily to be your disciples? Do we hate all other earthly relationships in comparison to thee? Oh, Heavenly Father, bless us and help us this day. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sinfulness. Forgive us our vulnerability, the lust of our flesh, eyes, and the pride of life. Forgive us for our susceptibility to the world and its influences. Lord, strengthen us 
And in these few minutes that we have together today, and truly, they are but a hair's breadth in comparison to eternity, and even in comparison to our lives, they're but a moment. Help us make use of them, that we will go from this place energized, convicted, converted, zealous, diligent in seeking the bread from heaven to feed our souls and prove our everlasting life. Father, we thank Thee for our nation. We thank Thee for the privilege of living here. We thank Thee for our new government. And we shall give Thee detailed thanks in our second assembly. But we thank Thee already. And we pray that You will bring the wheel over the anarchists that would disturb the peace of this nation and raise their ignorant, rebellious heads, hearts, hands, and minds against lawful, established, divine government. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will shame and that you will silence the odious, rebellious women of this nation who want to rise up against the first man they've met in their lives, who want to rise up against a real first lady for a change. Have mercy upon our nation, Heavenly Father. Let the word of the Lord have free course and be glorified today in as many pulpits as you will have mercy toward us. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for every good thing that we enjoy. You have set your sun to shine upon us in the middle of January. It's been delightful. We praise thee. We thank thee for the rain that's fallen for a couple of days to water the earth and nourish it to bring forth food for the sower. We are blessed abundantly. We thank Thee for things large and small. We thank Thee for things spiritual and natural. We thank Thee for things eternal and temporal. And, O Lord, we thank Thee most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our all in all. He is the president of this nation. He's the king of this kingdom. He's the head of this church. He's the bishop of our souls. He's the apostle and high priest of our profession. And there is no other. And he has no competitor or peer. Help us, Heavenly Father, to love Him today, to see Him clearly. Let us not run too long. Let us not go too short. Let us not add anything to the Word of God or delete anything from it. Heavenly Father, keep my mouth and any mouth that is used in this pulpit that there will be nothing foolish, frivolous, or fleshly to come out of it but the words of the living God from your Scriptures. We thank Thee for them each one of them. For we know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And we thank Thee for every word that we have in our King James Bibles. And we thank Thee for the blood that was spilled and the bodies burned to get this Bible to us that we have so easily and can read so freely and neglect so frequently. Help us. We thank Thee for the privilege of being in your house. Amen. We thank thee for the unspeakable riches of your gift of Jesus Christ, that unspeakable gift that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now be with us. Your children want to give you praise. We want to shout your name and sing your glory. Be with us now in Jesus' name and for his honor forever. Amen. Amen.